This is the ADHD Fix: How to Achieve Your Potential, the podcast to help you use 15 proven strategies to discover the many gifts of ADHD. I'm Henry J. Svek, and for over 30 years, I helped others diagnose and treat ADHD. Now retired, I turn my attention back to those 15 strategies I use to help achieve my potential with ADHD. Learning what I did to help myself will help you achieve your success. ADHD is a gift. Let's get started. Getting the right treatment. So before we get started with that topic today, I want to re-emphasize, if you will, the need for a proper diagnosis. And this is probably one. It's, it continues to be probably one of the most um, misunderstood aspects of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, in that it is a clear neurological condition. Now, if we were to go to a doctor and and the doctor said, "I think you might have a blood disorder," and I'm going to give you some You know questions about different things, different symptoms, and depending on where you score on this scale, I'm going to diagnose you yes or no on a with a blood disorder. So before the person got started, you might say, "Well, wait a minute, doc. Like if I got a blood disorder, why don't you look at my blood? Why don't you? Is there not a blood test?" And whatever the response may be, you would have to wonder if it's a blood disorder that I may have. Test the blood, and when it comes to ADHD, for some reason, even though we know it's a neurological disorder, there continues to be a failure. Now, certainly, you need to assess using many different techniques. I believe in a、uh, always believed in a comprehensive evaluation, which includes a quantitative EEG or basically a brain image or looking at the brain, because ADHD is a neurological condition. If you don't look at the brain, how do you know for sure? Now, just looking at the brain—it's a piece of information, very important piece. But you also look at all the other possible symptoms and the other characteristics of a proper evaluation,、um, because there are other things that can look like ADHD. Even when you look at a QEG or a visual picture of the brain, that are similar to ADHD. But they are not. And the other thing you need to realize is that even if a person has ADHD, and all of the testing shows that many mild forms of inattentive or other types of ADHD are compensated for by high intelligence,、uh, strong routines, structure, and so the person may not experience true difficulty until they. Get to university or even graduate school, or start running their own business, or they become a doctor, dentist, or lawyer, and then they start to experience difficulty. And people would say, "Well, how's that possible? This person went through school, got great grades, didn't have behavioral issues, all of those symptoms they keep bringing up. When in fact, there is a neurological deregulation or a brain issue that is the diagnosis of ADHD." So it's a bit strange because we add symptoms, we add behavioral stuff, we add IQ testing, we add emotional testing. You want to you want to look at depression and anxiety, rule those out, traumatic brain injury, and that's another very important part of a proper assessment is to rule that out.、Uh, if a person is experienced or has experienced a traumatic brain injury, they may look a great deal like they have ADHD when in fact they do not.
And another piece of that would be if they have pre-existing ADHD, then experience some brain trauma, the symptoms become even more complicated. So a, a proper evaluation is the place you need to start. And then once that's completed, the question is, how do we treat it? And that's what I'm going to look at next. Let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor. Assessing ADHD requires more than a five-minute office visit. The experienced, multidisciplinary team at OSR Clinics will walk with you and your family through the comprehensive assessment and diagnosis process and will be by your side when it comes to implementation of strategies and advocacy for your child. Visit osrclinics.com to book your free info session today. That's osrclinics.com. The first treatment that probably is the most talked about has to do with medication. And I'm going to talk about it from the perspective of what I knew as a psychologist and what I think people need to remember that um, medication very much takes care, can take care of the symptoms of ADHD for a period of time, but in no way does it cause a, a fixing of the problem. So when we look at you know, my original example of a blood disorder, there are some treatments that can help with that, actually repair and fix the problem. But with medication for ADHD, it's thought to be a chronic lifelong condition and people are suggested to take medication throughout the lifespan. The decision to or not take medication is really up to the parent or the child and the child or parent, depending on the age and the physician. And, the, and that's pretty much it. Uh, principals should never tell parents, you know, you need to put your child on medication or they can't come back here, which unfortunately we've heard a number of times in the office. And so it's about the parents, the children, and the physician together collaborate. And in the end, it's the parental or, depending on the age, the child's decision. If a school principal or teacher says that your child needs to be on medication or can't come back to school or can't engage in sports or whatever it may be, um, that's not okay. They can't make you do that. And you need to push back and later we'll talk about advocacy but that's not something they can do so let's just to summarize it's it's yourself with your child or the adult child and the physician that talks about um, medication as an option with a you know consideration for side effects and also the cost benefit in other words what are the side effects in relation to the benefits expected there is a treatment out which has been more and more I think discussed in the media, but it's something that's rarely used, and that is straight up cardiovascular exercise. The science some time ago proved that when someone in, with ADHD engages in cardiovascular exercise of rather moderate to intense intensity for a brief period of time, the a rush of blood to the brain and the other benefits correct that brain deregulation for up to three hours. That's the belief, two to three hours. Um, many of us believe that on the long term, if a person were to engage in that type of activity, the acceleration and creation of new uh, neuromatter, uh, so in other words, when you exercise, you double your daily production of brain cells that your body then float around in your brain and then become part of your neurology. So exercise can actually increase uh, 
and improve cognitive function. That, the science is out there. It's not just me. So if you're able, and if a child is able, or someone with ADHD is able to exercise once or twice a day, they're going to experience rather significant improvements in their, in their attention, focus, concentration, and efficiency of thinking, which is really important with ADHD. Plus the benefit of the long-term positive side effects of that treatment. Now you could argue that, well, you could you know, hurt yourself on the treadmill or develop shin splints or arthritis, or, but most of us would agree that exercise is healthy when done in moderation and when supervised. So I think it's time to really look at that treatment of cardiovascular exercise and compare it to medication treatment and also look at a treatment that I know we've used with success in the clinic and around the world has been used called neurofeedback. And I won't get into a lot of details other than to say neurofeedback is basically training your brain um, to a point where eventually when you train your brain, I'll give you a quick example. Um, person's watching a video and every time the brain uh, exhibits more focus and concentration, the video plays. And every time they are distracted cognitively, the video stops playing. So there's basically a reward system in place. And believe it or not, if you push your brain into more concentration this way, over a period of time, it starts to get stuck in better places, if that's a word we can talk about. So neurofeedback can be very helpful. So people have often asked me, well, what would you do? And well, I tell you what I did, because you know, I've been diagnosed with ADHD. Exercise every day, seven days a week. I hate it, but I do it primarily in the morning for focus, later in the day for stress or relaxation. So the focus one is first thing in the morning. Um, that's, I think, really important. I had neurofeedback training, some 30 visits uh, of neurofeedback training probably about 35 years ago or 30 years ago, perhaps it was. I can't remember, 25 perhaps. Very effective, very helpful, exhausting to do, just extremely exhausting, but I think it did help. And that's my regime plus other structures that we talk about in the ADHD fix. So putting a structure around myself, exercise, being more self-aware, continuing to work on emotional intelligence, which we'll talk about, are extremely effective methods to help with the symptoms. We do see over a period of time, and I think this is something that we all need to discuss and think about with um, prescriptive exercise and cardiovascular exercise, getting your heart rate up to a certain point where it sort of charges your brain and pushes in more blood and causes uh, uh, an escalation and more uh, brain cells to be created is extremely healthy when it comes to ADHD and other neurological conditions, but today we're talking about ADHD. So if it were, if I was starting again, uh, that's what I would do, what I've done. I wouldn't change anything. Now, for some people, Vacation is what they choose to do, and that's fine. That's, that's your choice or their choice. It's just not something I would do for myself. So when it comes to choosing the right medication, the final piece that's really important is continuing to monitor if it's working or not. So whatever it, that you may be doing, once you look at side effects, and we've talked about, you know, you have to talk to your physician about medication side effects, uh, your health practitioner about side effects of neurofeedback, also side effects of exercise and all the good benefits of those and then make your decision. Now, there's a bit of an argument as we get into the next level of 
strategies, and I believe all the things we talk about are, in fact, treatment, even though some are based on structure and other strategies that you may use and implement. Because just like medication, when you take those strategies away, there is some learning. Many of the symptoms and many of the dysfunctional things uh, come back. So again, um, getting an effective treatment is being aware, being informed. Once you choose that, that, that treatment, whatever it may be, monitor the effectiveness. How do you know it's working? And is it working? Um, and then I think you're well on your way to what I call getting over this hump so that you can really live with the benefits of having ADHD. Because I really believe that's what we're talking about. Yes, it's a diagnosed condition. It's clearly a neurological um, d a disorder, and it's diagnosed through a comprehensive evaluation. But once you get through that, once you understand it, then you're able, I think, to move on to some greatness, which we'll be talking about in future podcasts. So again, I'm Hank. You have an amazing day, and we will talk soon. Let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor. ADHD isn't just for kids, but can certainly look and feel different for adults. The experienced multidisciplinary team at OSR Clinics understands the complexity of ADHD in adults and can help you determine if it is ADHD or something else. The comprehensive assessment process doesn't only look at symptoms, but also looks at your brain in order to understand what's really going on. Visit osrclinics.com to book your free information session today. That's osrclinics.com.